0: Lord, we need you now. we need you now. We need your voice. We need the Good Shepherd now, Lord. Tune us to hear the Good Shepherd's voice. Fix our hearts on Him. Lock our eyes. Pastor Lenny, as he speaks your word today, clear his heart, and his mind, and position him where he needs to be, Lord. God, we love you and we thank you, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're glad you're here with us this morning or online watching us. There's still people pulling in the parking lot I'm really late this morning, uh, but they'll, they'll make their way in. We are in week three of our series, I Am Jesus. Now, again, like I said, week number one, I'm not saying I am Jesus. In no way am I saying that whatsoever. Uh, But Jesus made these statements. He actually made seven of them. We're only going to talk a total of four of them, and we're in week three. So there's one more we're going to talk about. He said, I am, I am different things. Like week one, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and life. Last week, he said, I am the good shepherd. And we talked about Jesus being the good shepherd and the sheep and how we are the sheep and and sheep are dirty and sheep are nasty, just like we are. And they sit there and go, oh, wait a minute, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. In the eyes of God, we are unrighteous. We are unrighteous. No matter how we try to clean ourselves up, compared to God, and in His eyes, we are filthy dirt. This week, we're going to talk about, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. We're going to kick off in John chapter 8, verse 12. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Darkness is scary. I mean, even when you're a little kid, it's frightening. I remember uh, as a little kid going to my grandma's house. My grandma lived in Pennsylvania, and I think I might have told you some of the story. She lived like in the way outskirts of cities. I mean, you had to drive, and you're going up and down these little mountains and twists and turns, and all of a sudden you come to this turn, you make a right-hand turn, and there's this little tiny church. Now, something with Old tiny churches, and it's just the way people live because people live in small communities. Every little tiny church pretty much had a cemetery around it. Okay? And then, so as a kid, you're running around going, okay, there's all these dead (laughs) people. And my grandma lived like three doors down in this old house. Now this house is probably 130, 140 years old. And go down in the basement, you know, it didn't have a furnace, it had a uh, a wooden coal-burning stove downstairs, and it was one of those giant ones. Mm-hmm. It looked like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the movie? You got this little tiny mouth, and it's like, Wah! <laughs> and of course, you know this house had electricity. It finally got indoor plumbing when I was in a teenager because we used to have to go to the outhouse. But it, it had electrical in it, and you know, electricity. we so spoiled. In our houses right now, we got outlets everywhere we look, we flip a switch and the light comes out. These old houses that weren't filled with electricity, you wound up with one light bulb. And it's in the center of the room. And there was a little flip switch. So you had to walk down these stairs into a totally dark room with a Freddy Krueger furnace sitting there. And you go like this, and try to find the (laughs) string to pull the string to turn the light on. Now as a child, that's frightening. (laughs) As an adult, it's still frightening. Frightening. (laughs) You know, there's something about darkness that we don't like. Sometimes darkness, though, in our lives, we do things in the dark that we don't always do in the Mm -hmm. But darkness is scary. But as long as there's a little bit of light, we have comfort. You put a little light bulb, a little light on the subject, and all of a sudden, it becomes less scary. And all through Scripture, you see a contrast of light and darkness. Light and darkness. Jesus, in the very beginning, God said... um, let there be light and all of a sudden there was light because the world was dark the world was darkness it was just a void and he said let there be light and all of a sudden there's day and then there's night he separated the two to day and night through the bible uh, god is always called the light uh, as a spiritual uh, being he is the light of the world satan is always considered Darkness, the Prince of Darkness. Uh, there's this distinct contrast between the two, God and Satan. In Acts 26, uh, it says this: "Yes, I am sending you." Uh, this is when uh, Paul was being called. He said, "I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes, so they may, they may turn from darkness to light, and the power and from power of Satan to God." Now, if you've been in the church for a while or around the church, You've heard the phrase, I am the light of the world. You've heard that phrase, and since I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. You've heard it, but you don't maybe know the context of when it was being used or when it came from. And the statement actually was used in one of the points of scripture where you see Jesus just outpouring his grace on someone actually happens to be the woman who was caught in adultery. And right before he says, I am the light of the world, he encounters this woman and he encounters some Pharisees. So what I want to look at this morning is three things through this story. The law, the love, and the light. The first one is the law. Number one, the law reveals our guilt. The law reveals, reveals our guilt. John 8, uh, verse uh, 2 says this. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now right away you can notice a couple things. Notice the guy wasn't present. A little different standard (laughs) he wasn't being held accountable she was caught in the act of adultery most likely they pulled her right out she may have been naked she may have been able to grab a sheet something to wrap herself up with was she wrong yes she was wrong so was he but he's not in the story because of different accountability was she uh, simple? Yes, she was. Was she guilty? Yes, she was. This was her lowest moment. She's standing in front of most likely a whole bunch of men, as Jesus was teaching. This you've got to realize the concept. There's not a lot of women allowed to be around teachers at the time. And the Pharisees were all men. So here's this woman, barely clothed, if clothed at all, in front of a bunch of men. She's being berated. She's being scorned. She's probably being drugged across the ground. She's in the lowest, most humiliated time of her life. In verse 5, it goes, In the law, Moses commanded, this was the Pharisees, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, Jesus, what do you say? They were using this question to travel in order to have a basis for accusing him. They're trying to trap Jesus in this one question, and according to the law, she's what? She's guilty. She's guilty. So if Jesus agreed with the law, and she was to be stoned, he would lose his reputation of being loving, being caring, having grace to pour out on others. But if he, if Jesus forgives her, then he's condoning adultery, and he's going against the laws that Moses came out with. So, he's stuck right in the middle of the two places. We live in a world where people don't like to admit guilt. Basically. If you don't believe me, go down to the local court and sit there and watch. I bet you won't find one person who goes in front of the judge or the magistrate and says, yes sir, I'm guilty. You won't find it. You'll have two people, and they're both innocent. I don't know how it can actually happen. But both of them are innocent. They'll find, they'll manipulate, they'll move, they'll say whatever they have to. Because you know why? We are good people. We're all good people, right? We're good people. But like I said at the beginning, in the eyes of God, we're not good. We're sinful. I'll ask you a question. Have you ever told a lie? Mm-hmm. Raise your hand. Yeah. Even even the, the good ones, the ones that keep you out of trouble, like, you know, how do I look at these jeans? <laughs> great. Great. <laughs> just perfect. Beautiful. Have you ever stolen something? Yeah, I've never I stolen understand. something. If you're a woman, open up your purse and look for all your pens. Guys, go out to the cubby holes of your car and look for all your pens. <laughs> I bet you there's a pen there stating someone's business. <laughs> That you probably grabbed on the way out. You stole something. How many play golf? No, nobody. No. Well, even parents. A few choice words, God's name in vain, when something doesn't go right. And you know what? It just flows. It's not like I meant to say it, it just right off my tongue. Hit that ball in the wrong way. Luckily, I, I'm not a I, I don't cuss period, so. I mean, I've I've hit my hands. I've wanted to at some points in time, but I haven't. But things just flow off of our mouths. So basically we're lying, cheating, thieving, blasphemers. That's technically what we are. We're all sinners. And why is it so important? Because until you recognize who you are, who we are, We have to understand that we need a savior. Kind of like the addict. The addict doesn't always believe they're an addict. They can always shut it down. They can always stop it. They can always get out. But do they? No. Because it's hard. They don't get out until they realize, you know what? This is out of my control. I have. That's when the ag really can be helped. When they realize they have a problem. And the, the law is there to help us realize that we are sinful. We have a problem. Then it leads to the love Love reveals God's grace. The love reveals God's grace. They're trying to trick Jesus. They're trying to trap him. In verse 6, Jesus does this. He ignores their question. They're asking questions. What what do you say we should do with her? But he ignores them. And in verse 60, says this. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his fingers. Kind of like, okay, guys, I don't want nothing to deal with you. And he kneels down and he starts doodling in the dirt. You know, what's he writing? There's no real descriptive uh, scriptures that say exactly what he's writing. You have to kind of write it down a little bit. And later manuscripts will say he was writing the sins of the accusers. All the sins of the Pharisees. And actually if you break down the Greek wording here, when, it, when he says write, there's two words it can be. It can be graffin or we get graffiti. Which means to write down. But there's also another word, and this is the actual word they use. Categraphene. Categraphene. Cata means against. So writing down against. Writing down a record against someone. That's what he was doing. That word they use for write is categorizing. Which means he was kneeling down on the ground, writing out offenses of the Pharisees that were standing there. See, Jesus is God in man. He knows what's going on. He knew everything. So there's no doubt that he knew what was in their hearts, what was in their minds, what was in their past. And he was most likely writing those things down in the sand. In verse 7 it says, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Without sin, another Greek word. And this without isn't just without sin. It means without even wanting to sin without even wanting to sin it's not just focusing on the outward what we what we do but it's also focusing on the inward on the heart of the situation hey any of you who have never done anything wrong and even if you never wanted to do anything wrong you'd be the first one to throw the first The judgmental, arrogant uh, guys, the Pharisees who were standing there, they looked, they realized, kind of like we do, and what they did was, and we're guilty of this too, Mm -hmm. is we look at everybody else's sin and darkness in their life, and we talk about it, we throw the stone with our words, Mm -hmm. without even looking at our own. And the darkness in our own lives. But we're you know what? We're quick to throw the stone, the verbal stone, at someone, when they make a mistake or when they when they stumble. We're quick to throw that stone. And that's what these Pharisees were. They're quick to throw the stone. John eight uh, verses eight eight to eleven says this. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground that this at this those who Began to go away one by one at a time. The older ones first. Why the older ones? I have not a clue, unless they had so much more guilt inside of them. But the older ones left first until Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, sir. She said, And he said, neither do I condemn you. By God's grace, you are not what you did. Revelations 12 says that Satan, our accuser, our accuser comes around. Our accuser. Those are the words in your head. When you've done something wrong, and you get there and go, you know what? God will never be able to use you because of what you've done.
1: Where are those words
0: coming from? The accuser. The accuser. God can do anything he chooses to do. He is almighty God. He is everywhere all the time. He is the all-powerful. And he can use you. He loves using people who make mistakes. You look through the Bible, there is not one perfect person that God used. It's, it's not someone that just goes, oh, they're perfect. No. <laughs> he used thieves. He used people who got into adultery. He used people that killed people, that destroyed lives. And they crossed paths with him. And they were changed. Never. Let the evil accuser in your life just to destroy you with his words and his accusations. The voice of the accuser. Now was she guilty? Yes. Did she deserve punishment? Yes. But it was because of his love and his grace that was revealed because of his love, she deserved it but she didn't get it. We are the same way. We deserve so much more. We deserve to be wiped out. But through his grace, his mercy, his love for us, that he wants to interact with us. He wants to be with us. And until we see ourselves as sinners, we will not know our need for a savior. And the law reveals guilt, but God's love reveals grace. And he looks on this broken woman who is ashamed, and she was down by every human being within miles. She she was put down. She was most likely a prostitute. And he sees what's going on in her life, and uh, he says, I do not condemn you. The interesting thing is what Jesus says next. Jesus didn't say, I forgive you, and I understand the situations that you're in. I understand that your dad probably left you have this problem with, with trying to find love with men. And I understand this is just the way you are. He says, so you know what? You could just try to be better. Try not to get into the circumstances like you're in right now. Try not to hang out with married men and all this kind of stuff. He doesn't say that in the same way he doesn't say, hey, try to be a good person. The darkness is in your life. The time is When you're in the darkness and you do things you shouldn't be doing he doesn't say try to be better what what does he do for this woman the same thing i believe he does for all of us he looks at her and he says jesus declared go now and leave your life of sin go now and leave your life of sin there's this urgency go now not later, go now. You can be free, you don't have to live in darkness. Go now. You don't have to live there anymore. The light of the world is on the scene. And whenever the light shows up, darkness has to flee. Because light always overtakes darkness. You gotta understand that light, the light always overtakes darkness. Do You remember when you were a kid? And you had a dispute. What did you do? Rock, paper, scissors. Great. Right. One, two, three, boom. One, two, three, boom. One, two, three, boom. Everybody knew the rules, right? Paper always covers rock. Rocks always smash the scissors. And scissors always cut the paper, right? There's no disputing it. These are the facts. Dynamic blew a frock. This is the fact. Light always defeats darkness. Who is the light? Jesus is the light. Amen. The law reveals our guilt, the love reveals God's grace, and the light reveals our hope. This is where it all So hang with me just through this last one. Verse 11, go now, leave your life of sin, full of hope. You don't have to live this way anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. You can cut it out. I forgave you, and now stop it. He was taking all of this, and he was telling her that she is no longer the way she was. Her sins were forgiven. And he goes on to say, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus was looking at her and said, neither do I condemn you. And at that moment, she no longer had to live that way. Because... He was no longer the light of the world. Jesus was the light of her world. It became a personal thing. Here's the problem with religion. Religion says you will never, ever be good enough. You might as well stop. Or you might as well, if I do all of these things, I will be good enough. Jesus didn't come for religion. He came to relationship. He came to this world in the form of Jesus so that he can connect us best to him. Because otherwise it it was this process of having to do sacrifices and having to be washed and having all these processes you had to jump through. And he said, you know what, I've had enough of processes. They don't work. You want to know they don't work? Go back and work at the Old Testament. Because they had to keep redoing them. They had to keep redoing them. They had to keep redoing them. Jesus came one time for all to do away with the processes so that we can have a relationship with him. Religion is forms and structure. Relationship is Jesus Christ. Our God is a personal God. One that loves you where you are, but but he doesn't leave you in your mess. He does not leave you in your mess. That's why he said, you will be in the light as long as you walk with me. That means daily walking. Our our God is a personal God and he loves you where you are. He will not leave you in your mess. He's a God that wants to walk with you Day. He wants to walk you out of your messy life that you're in. He wants to spend each day with you in encountering you and you in encountering him. And when you walk with him every day, what happens? He puts you on a path that takes you out of the mess you're in. He puts you on a new path. It doesn't mean everything is perfect, but it means you're walking down the road, and what happens? Sometimes you will what? You will step in a pothole. You'll stumble a little bit. You'll get a little shaky. But you're on the path. He will guide you on the path. And it's kind of cool about a flashlight. If you've ever been out in the darkness, and you're walking, maybe you're hiking or whatever, and you've got that flashlight, you know, that flashlight only sees or only lights up so far in front of It doesn't light up your whole entire pathway. So you have to stay within that light to see where you're going. It's the same thing with Jesus. Jesus doesn't, oh, I go to sleep and I have my whole life in front of me. It's all open and I know exactly where I'm going. I know exactly where this path is going to take me. No. You know where the path is as you take steps down the road. You have to stay within the light to stay in the path. And that's what he's saying, as long as you're walking in my light, I will always be with you. I will be always lighting up the world around you. And that's what he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. The light always, always defeats darkness. So we don't have to walk around in darkness. This is a dark world. The Bible says, this is a dark world, and who is the prince of this dark world? Satan. We are the light. We have the light inside of us. And as long as we continue to walk in the light, Jesus will always be with us. And that's where we get a little confused. We try to maybe take the light over this way, and the light over this way. Jesus is saying, walk down always be with you. Jesus is alive. Stay out of the darkness. Continue to walk To die for us, to show us the way back to you, God. To to have that personal relationship, so we can see the light and be drawn to the light, God. And I ask this morning. this way, Father, that your love and your grace Song. If long there's anybody who wants to come forward and pray, i will be right here with you. Maybe there's some lightning, something that you need to bring light between you and God.